okay, well, you get me again. Um, um, this morning, uh, we are going to pause in our series on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, you'll be pleased to know we've only got three weeks left. Uh, it feels like we've been doing it for a lifetime. Um, but I just want to um, take this moment to kind of really speak into uh, the place where we find ourselves right now. Uh, incidentally, there is another bit of news I forgot to share with you. Uh, many of you will know that Tammy and I um, have the privilege of serving the wider Vineyard family as regional leaders. And uh, to date, that has been for the Midlands and the North. So all the Vineyard churches in the Midlands and the North of England. Um, this week, uh, the news was officially released that actually we're also going to be incorporating East Anglia into our region. And so um, I just wanted to let you know in case you hear some... I don't know if it's a cheer, commiseration. Um, so it feels like more work. No. Um, okay. So as I say, I just want to take this this morning as a, as a really a moment to pause and and to speak into this, this space that we find ourselves. You know, the last 18 months has been a season that none of us expected, um, none of us planned for on so many levels. The, the, the pandemic has disrupted everything. It's disrupted our lives in every way. And clearly, it's disrupted us as a church. Uh, as we went into lockdown, um, you know, we were, as a church, in a, an incredible season of growth and life uh, in our church community. Um, our church, you know, for the, the two and a half years uh, previous to the pandemic, um, our church had tripled in size. And, you know, you might remember pre-pandemic, we were meeting in five services across four different locations. <laughs> And um, not only that, our compassion ministry, which you heard a little bit about last week, was, was thriving. We had um, uh, uh, every week, we had parents and tots in every possible space in this building, just reaching out to uh, some of the families, particularly families who are slightly more marginalized in our community. Things felt like they were thriving. We had an influx of people uh, doing things like Alpha and just exploring what it means to follow Jesus. And suddenly, a bit like a flick of a switch, uh, at the end of March 2020, it all came uh, to an abrupt end. Like most churches across the land, we did our level best uh, to um, get online and attempt to do our, our main business um, and, and kind of maintain that sense of community and connection. And, um, and, and we had to do that in ways that we never quite imagined. And what we initially thought was going to be a number of weeks became several months and then spilled over into a year and then a little bit more. And then finally, 15 months later, we were able to open our doors again, at least here in this location, and um, be it a little bit different. If you manage to come and join us during that time, you'll know we 
we couldn't we couldn't be together we couldn't be close together we had to we couldn't sing we had to wear masks we had to be socially distant which was a word that didn't exist 18 months ago did it <laughs> we had to be socially distant and uh, uh, and everything was limited everything we deemed as normal had changed and in many ways our lives have changed as a result haven't they that the way we function the way we do life many of us um, it, it has changed completely and so because of this as uh, as things begin to return to a sense of normal I think we stand at a bit of a juncture in the story of, a ch- of our church. Now, during this time, we haven't stood still as a church. In fact, the past 18 months, we've continued to do the best we can at reaching out to our community. And um, you heard some of that last week. Uh, if not, you can check out the podcast. Um, but we've also made some significant changes structurally as a church. Our church sites in Kettering, Wellingborough, and Rawns over this period of time have transitioned to become more unique churches. First of all, in April, uh, we released the Kettering site to become uh, Kettering Vineyard, and uh, led by David and Elaine uh, Roberts. And then uh, next week, our now combined Wellingborough and Rawns sites uh, will become the Nen Valley Vineyard. Not the Neen Valley Vineyard, but the Nen Valley <laughs> Vineyard. And uh, that's going to be led by Tom and Ash Nicholson. We also announced that next year, Tammy and I are going to be released um, to plant a new church uh, in Milton Keynes. And as we go through this season of transition, our, our multi-site structure <laughs> Has shifted. And so we've gone from being one church in multiple locations, and we are becoming something that looks more like a family of churches, something we've dubbed as the CV family, because we can't think of a better name. And so in the midst of disruption, um, we, we have initiated some changes as a church, changes that we sense are for the better, changes that we feel um, will push us further and beyond where we have previously been. And actually, some of you, on an individual level, during this pandemic, you haven't stood still either. Things have things have changed for you. Many have discovered new routines and rhythms. And while some of that has been beneficial, um, not all of our new routines and new rhythms are necessarily an improvement on where we were before COVID. And my guess is we're all in that place right now where we're reconsidering what parts of life under COVID we might keep and keep doing and what things need to be re-established, what new routines and rhythms do we have to engage with. Many of us who are here today physically worshiping with us, uh, it's wonderful to have so many people back in the building. 
Um, some of us are still tuning in online. However, a large number of people have drifted away. And, and the reality is they're probably not going to come back. They're not going to return. And we have to face the reality of that. We have to face the, the loss of that. And the truth is, for Tammy and I, and for the leaders, and for our staff team, you know, our primary focus in this season is the health of this community. As we, as we release the other locations to do their thing and um, be, become more autonomous in how they act, um, we want to focus on the health of this church family. So that, you know, when we head into 2022, and of course we're going to face more change, but when we, when we step into that change in 2022, we want this church to be the healthiest community of people it can possibly be. And so as I say, I want to speak into this moment, and I, I just want to ask one question this morning. What does it mean for us to be a church regathered? What does it mean for us to regather together as a community of people? What are we regathering for? After all, we've learned to do church in so many other ways. Um, why are we regathering? The truth is we live in a culture that's extremely uh, individualistic, and that has only accelerated uh, during the pandemic. Uh, for much of the last 18 months, we have been confined to our homes, streaming our entertainment and internet shopping. Or at least that's kind of how it went in our house. Um, um, you know, but we, we don't need to leave our homes anymore, do we? To be entertained, to be clothed, and to be fed. Um, one of the highlights for me in the pandemic was, was Starship robots arriving in Northampton. Um, every Friday, a robot comes to our house, delivers sweets and drink and, yeah, merriment. Um, But social media has replaced our physical social interaction. And the truth is, many of us are connected socially uh, through our phones and our computers, uh, but are actually more lonely than we ever were before. Experts tell us, don't they, that a major cause and the rise of depression in a younger generation is that they are socially connected to lots of people, uh, but on a shallow level. Uh, and it happens through devices, um, through this kind of pseudo sense of community. And compared to previous generations, they spend far less time physically connected to others. Many of us would have come across Maslow's hierarchy of need. You know, after our basic needs for things like air and food, water, shelter, when those things are finally met, the next thing that we need is meaningful connection to other people, where we experience love and belonging and inclusion. It's reckoned to be uh, the, the main need that people need to function with a healthy life. Uh, connection to others is crucial to our well-being. Uh, we do better 
when we're in community. And a number of you have fed back to me that the pandemic is, in some ways, has highlighted the very thing that we took for granted before, that sense of connection and community to others. And we all know that, you know, following Jesus isn't a solo sport. It's not, you know, a lone ranger activity. As people, we're made in the image of God, and, and, and that God exists in community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so we too are made to be in community, to be connected to one another. Acts 2 tells us about the, this wonderful description of the, the first community of believers, and it says they devoted themselves to one another. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They met daily in their homes and then in larger groups in the temple courts. But then we see, as you continue to read the narrative of Acts, persecution breaks out. And becoming a follower of Jesus is slightly more dangerous. And the temptation for the early church was to to kind of like just blend in to the wider culture. And so we see in the book of Acts, uh, the church begins to scatter. And in the context of that, the author of Hebrews writes to the scattered believers. Hebrews 10 and verse 24, he says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Clearly, some of these early believers were getting out of the habit of meeting together. And the writer is, is, is saying here, um, you know, you need to be connected to each other. You need to be uh, encouraging one another with your presence amongst one another. And I guess the thing that I want to say is the same that we, we need to be a gathered people. Yes, the church is the church when it's scattered. Of course it is. But we're also a church that's called to be gathered. And so we've experienced being scattered longer than we anticipated. And now is the time to remind ourselves the importance of regathering the importance of being in proximity to one another, whether it's here on a Sunday or in a small group or whatever context you find yourself in, how important it is for us to regather. And so what are we regathering for? Why are we regathering? Well, first of all, we're regathering to connect with one another. Technology has been really helpful, hasn't it? I was, I was thinking about this. If the pandemic happened 10, 15 years ago, it would have been difficult. Um, we just wouldn't have had the tools. The internet wasn't fast enough. You know, we just wouldn't have been able to connect in the ways that we've been able to in the past 18 months. But, you know, one, one analogy that we often use to describe our connection to one another is, is that of the redwood forests in California. Um, if you're not sure of the Redwood Forest, that's what they look like. You might notice that it looks a little bit like where the Ewoks live um, in Return of the Jedi. It's because they filmed it there. Um, but, um, 
But the redwood forest, despite being some of the tallest trees uh, in the world, they also have relatively shallow roots. But they're able to thrive because they don't grow alone. Their roots of these trees, although they're shallow, they're intertwined. Some of them fuse together under the surface, creating this wonderful support network underground. In similar ways, gathering together in the same space, gathering together in proximity to each other, creates a condition for building mutually supportive relationships. And that happens in all kinds of environments. It it happens in environments that we organize and plan and make happen. But it also happens, and this is the I think the more precious, it happens in those, those unplanned environments. It happens, uh, you know, over coffee. It happens when we greet one another at the door. That sense that we are rooted together, that we belong to one another, that we're connected to a community. That's, that's what we've missed, haven't we? We've missed that opportunity for those informal moments to just embrace and connect with each other. The Apostle Paul's desire for the church members in Colossians 2 is this. He says, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. So whether we are new to faith, exploring what it means to follow Jesus, or whether we've been following Jesus for decades, we don't grow just through connecting with God alone. We also need to live our faith, rubbing shoulders with one another, other people who are learning to follow Jesus with us. So we're regathering because we want to be connected. Secondly, we're regathering to worship God and encounter more of the Spirit. Worship is our highest priority, both in the way that we live our lives, but also in what we do corporately together. It's one thing to sing alone in front of a screen. It's something else to be with multiple other people worshipping in a room like this. Committing to being in an environment like this to worship God, I would say is actually formational. It's something that forms who we are. You see, what happens is when we commit to being in a space like this every Sunday is it it disrupts our normal routines and it reminds us again what's true and what's real. It reminds us what's true about life and what is really real. And it reminds us about what is really worth giving our life to. When we worship Yes, it's unto God first. Of course it is. It's his. He's the one who deserves worship. But it it also helps to remind us why we're here, what we're for, what we're made for. The Westminster Confession of Faith said the chief end of man is to worship God and enjoy him forever. And it's in our corporate worship that God's presence is made manifest Uh, And of course, the Holy Spirit is not limited to moving in a room like this. And I'm sure many of us have experienced God's presence as we've engaged with church online. 
But the reality is, is when we gather corporately to worship and minister to one another, his presence is, is felt in a tangible way like no other uh, and no other space. There's a, there's a tangible presence of God felt when, when we as the people of God experience his presence. And we need that, don't we? We need that. Moses, as he led the people of God in Exodus 33, he says to God, he says, if your presence doesn't go with us, we're not leaving here. In other words, God, if you're not with us, if your presence is not upon us, we're not going anywhere. Now we're not moving on from this place. And, and, you know, we all need to experience the tangible presence of God in our lives. And that, that tangible presence that comes from the gathered people of God together. Thirdly, we're regathering to keep investing in the next generation. They say it takes a village to raise a child, and yet during lockdown, that has been difficult, hasn't it? That, that all of a sudden, um, parents have not been around extended church family, aunts and uncles who aren't really aunts and uncles, you know. Um, <laughs> Um, but that, that's been missing from our lives. One of the first things I noticed as we started to regather a few weeks ago was just how much we had missed as a church family uh, seeing some of our kids and youth grow up. You know, we've got like four or, four or five people starting university this, this week from our church, people who have just grown up in the last 18 months. And I felt the loss of that, that somehow... We'd miss something. We'd, we'd miss the whole period of, of life and connection to some of our kids and young people. They'd all, they'd all suddenly grown up. They've already got deep voices. And, um, <laughs> and I'm struck again, as I reflected on that, how what finite amount of time that we have to help our kids into adulthood. And, you know, it breaks our hearts as we begin to regather that we cannot provide everything we would want to for our kids and young people because we simply don't have enough adults willing to serve. And that's not okay. One of our core values as a church is the next generation. And yet, we can't get enough people to serve them for one or two hours a week. And so as we regather, this is something that needs to be addressed. The limit of our ability to move forward post-pandemic is found at our weakest point. We can't just move on, forget about our young people, and hope for a positive outcome. Jesus said, didn't he, the measure that you give is the measure that you receive. And I, I'm guessing we want to be a church full of kids and young people who know and love and follow Jesus. Would, would you agree that, that we want to be a church like that? And I'm guessing we want those kids to become adults who know and follow Jesus. Well, the measure that we give will be the measure that we receive. How many of us grew up in church? A few of us. How many of us remember the sermons preached growing up in church. Just a few peculiar ones. How many of us remember the people who invested in us 
growing up in church. The ones who loved us, cared for us, perhaps gave us sweets when our parents wouldn't. For me, um, that was a man called Uncle Ivor. And um, him and his wife, they opened their home. They sang songs with us. They told us about Jesus, gave us sweets. And you know, those songs I can still sing today. Why don't you put your trust in Jesus and ask him to come in? He saw your need from up in heaven and died to bear. No one knows it. Okay. (laughs) If you want a recording, I'll send you one later. But they shared Jesus with us. They sang songs to us. Showed us what the gospel was. And if we as a church cannot do the same for another generation of young people, then I would say shame on us. Shame on us. My final point. We are regathering to serve God together. Paul, as he wrote to the church in Ephesians, he talked about Jesus saying this in Ephesians 4.16. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In this church, we've sought to develop a culture of service. During the pandemic, serving patterns have changed. In lockdown, we had to find new ways of serving those around us, maybe serving our neighbors and all sorts of things. But in in many areas here, particularly on a Sunday, that stopped 18 months ago. And as we come out of lockdown, um, you know, in all honesty, it's been a fraction of those previously serving on Sunday rotors who have been involved. And as we move forward, as we see more people come back to our services, we need to re-engage in serving to enable it to happen. Many of us, I'm sure, over the summer watched England in the Euros. And, uh, you know, the excitement of seeing them go further than many of us in this room have ever seen them go in their lifetime. One or two, I know you have seen it, but uh, most of us hadn't. And it was clear that in, uh, in football, if one or more of the players don't perform, then the whole team loses out. And in the same way, we all have unique parts to play. And, and unique things that we can con- contribute to uh, in our position on the team. And that's important. That's important for the whole team to win. And it's worth noting that serving is not just to benefit others. Experts tell us that when we use our gifts sacrificially uh, in serving, it gives us a huge sense of satisfaction and fulfillment. You know, watching sport as a spectator is one thing. But being on a team is something else. It's far more satisfying. You know, watching England play 
like many of you, I'm sure you spontaneously cheered when we scored a goal. Uh, I terrified everyone in our house on one occasion. Uh, but we, you know, we scored a goal. Now, I say we scored a goal, but of course we didn't. I had nothing to do with it. I had no personal involvement in any way. I didn't contribute to the result. They, the England team, scored the goal. I was just one of the spectators. As we regather, can I just implore you, don't be a spectator. Don't be a spectator. Join a team. Now, the truth is, if, when it comes to serving in the church, the analogy of a team only goes so far. Because the truth is, we're more than a team. We're a family. And as a family, like maybe your family at home, everyone in the family contributes to family life. And sometimes that means I don't just play to my gifts. I also do things that need doing. Why? Because they need doing. Yeah, I don't feel particularly gifted at washing up. Um, you know, I don't feel like I've got the skills it takes to lift the rubbish into the rubbish bin. But I do it. I do it because, first of all, it needs doing. And secondly, it's what it means to be family. And you might be thinking, well, I'll serve, but I'm not sure what I'm gifted at. That's great. You qualify. Because if, if the only thing is, is that, oh, it needs doing, and I'm part of the family, you can be involved. You, you can take part. You can plug in. Now, on where some of us don't want to go back to the busyness uh, we experienced, I've always wanted to do that, uh, before COVID, <laughs> and I've got no idea why, but yeah. Um, and we might think, you know what, I don't want to serve in ways I was serving before because life will just get too busy. And for some, that may be the case. But I just want to offer us a slightly different perspective. Busyness is different to hurry. Busyness is different to hurry. John Ortberg, he points this out in his book, Soul Keeping, um, as he recounts a, a conversation with Dallas Willard um, on the subject of the ruthless elimination of hurry. He says this, he says, Dallas pointed out to me that there is a world of difference between being busy and being hurried. Being busy is an outward condition. It occurs when we have many things to do. Busyness is inevitable in modern culture. Being hurried is an inner condition, a condition of the soul. It means to be preoccupied, uh, that we are unable to be fully present to God, with myself, and with other people. Busyness migrates to hurry when we let it squeeze God out of our lives. And here's the killer line. Jesus was often busy, but never hurried. So I want to suggest to us this morning that, that busyness is not the issue. If we're going to, you know, if we're going to do life, there's going to be times when we're busy, simply because there's things that need to be done, and that's okay. 
The issue is that we're not supposed to have this hurried existence in our souls. Our goal isn't the ruthless elimination of service. Trimming out serving from our lives is unlikely to have um, healthy benefits. But if we could... um, But if we we do miss out on the opportunity to serve, we could miss some of the wonderful things, fulfilling things that God wants to do in and through us in this season. Now, there may be far more other things that we do that are less fulfilling, which currently fill our lives that we could do less of. Things that are worth dropping. So I just want to encourage you, church, can we just employ you to say yes to serving? To saying yes to saying, you know what, I'm going to play my part. Once a month, I'm going to be there. I'm going to show up. I'm going to make sure that this happens. The truth is, as many people come back to this space, you know, space is already at a premium. And, and it may well be that we need to create extra space. It may be that we need to multiply our services again. But to do something like that means that we need the majority of people to play their part in small ways, contribute into the whole. So as we stand in this moment, this important moment, my invitation to us is to prioritize gathering physically again, both here on a Sunday and in groups as they get ready to launch in a couple of weeks' time. But then also is to be intentional about considering where we can serve, where we can put our shoulder to the plow. Yes, life has changed, and so have many of our habits and routines. But we're unlikely to just find ourselves accidentally doing things again. It won't happen. It's going to take intentionality, a sense of commitment in order to re-establish some healthy habits. And so as the band come back, um, and we're going to worship one last time, If you have not renewed your habit of being here on a Sunday, we want to encourage you to come back. If you were serving in an area of ministry before the pandemic, it'd be wonderful if you could rejoin that team. And if you haven't served before, but are willing to serve now, we would love you to be involved. So can I encourage you, come speak to one of us, speak to me, uh, speak to one of the team. Um, you can go on our website, centralvineyard.co.uk forward slash serve, I think it is. Uh, there's a form there, you can fill it in. Drop us an email, pete.willis at centralvineyard. No. Um, um, but we, we would just love to encourage you to, to be involved. Because the truth is, this next season is going to require every one of us. And this is a season where we want everybody to play their part. 
everybody to, to be involved. So why don't we stand? I'm just going to pray. I'm not sure how you're going to finish time after the pastor's told you off. Um, um, But Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. We just say, come, be amongst us, Lord. We just invite your presence. We invite you to just come and be upon us, Lord, in every way. And Lord, I just pray that you would stir something in our hearts again, Lord, that that we'd be men and women willing to give you everything that is in our hands once again. We say, Lord, yeah, we're willing to, to go again. We're willing to serve again. We're willing to be here, be present, to be disrupted. We're willing to keep reminding ourselves what is true, what is real. We're willing for you to form us in every way. So come, Lord, have your way amongst us, I pray. Come and just be present upon us.